ascended into heaven, uh, Jesus appeared a number of times, and uh, we're going to look at one of those events, and uh, because I think it uh, particularly has something to say to us in terms of our following the Lord. So if you want to open your Bibles to uh, John, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 21, and we'll begin in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you Where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Um, Lord, um, we're grateful for these words from the scripture. And more than that, Lord, we're just grateful for you. For your resurrected presence and how you ministered to Peter in his own life at a very important time. And we know, Lord, <clears throat> that in the way you pursued him, you pursue us. And so we welcome your Holy Spirit to uh, speak into our hearts with the same kind of intensity and focus that you spoke to Peter. And we pray it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, I believe Peter at this time was in a crisis of faith, and it wasn't a crisis of faith about Jesus. Uh, Peter had seen Jesus now three times in his resurrected form. Uh, once privately, we're told by Paul and also by the Gospels, although we're not given the narrative, and twice when he was with the disciples in Jerusalem. So he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was the Son of God, He was the Messiah, He was His Savior, and He worshipped Him. He loved Him. So Peter's crisis of faith wasn't about Jesus, but it was about Peter. Uh, Peter was at a point in his life where he wasn't really confident that he could follow Jesus into what Jesus wanted him to do. Jesus had shared with Peter his destiny, uh, the destiny that Jesus had for Peter in the kingdom, and that was that he was to establish, and he was to care for, and he was to uh, nurture uh, the believers that put their faith in Jesus for the days and the years ahead. But the denial that Peter made 
on the night of Jesus' trial and crucifixion was so catastrophic in his heart that he'd kind of come to the place where he basically thought, you know, I just don't think I can follow Jesus. I just don't think I have it within me to follow him into the destiny that he has for me. And so he was kind of going through this period of doubt. He loved Jesus and he believed in Jesus, but he wasn't sure that he could give himself to what Jesus was calling him into. Now, I share this because I feel like there are some of you here today who have come to the same conclusion. (laughs) You love Jesus, you believe in him, but you're not sure you want to touch this thing of destiny that he has for you. And the reason you don't want to touch it is because you feel like, you know, I just don't think I'm capable of walking into that. And so I'll just kind of stay in this posture of just loving Jesus and believing in him, but not really giving myself to what he's calling me into. Um, I think for that reason, uh, Jesus had this it's almost kind of a special appearance in Galilee for Peter to speak some things into him, as we'll see here in a moment. And he wanted to speak these things into him in order to deliver him from this crisis of faith, this lack of confidence in himself to follow Jesus. And so I want us to look at this because I think it's a word for us as we're following Jesus and as we go through our experiences and maybe have something happen to us or we do something that's embarrassing or crazy or we're wondering why in the world we did that that was dishonoring to the Lord I believe this is a word to kind of uh, bring us back into track in terms of what God is calling us into. So, um, Jesus had appeared, as I mentioned, a number of times in Jerusalem right after the resurrection. To Peter and to the disciples, the two disciples on the walk to Emmaus, to Mary and to the other ladies. So, we, we have a number of narratives about his appearing in this new creation body that he received and the resurrection is the kind of body we will receive when we're resurrected. He wasn't resurrected back into his old body. It was a new kind of living that life. That's why they had a hard time recognizing him. It's the same Jesus, but there were some things different about him. And so he kept appearing to them. But before his resurrection, and even after his resurrection, he told the disciples he wanted them to leave Jerusalem and go to Galilee, and he would be with them there, teach them some things, be with them for a period of time. So... After about a week in Jerusalem, they head out to Galilee, a 75-mile walk uh, to uh, the Sea of Galilee, where many of the disciples came from. It was their home. And uh, the disciples were waiting for Jesus again to show up, to manifest himself in this new kind of body, this new kind of life that he had. And uh, he wasn't showing up, and I think Peter was a bit fidgety. Maybe he was fidgety because... Uh, of this crisis of doubt. And so he basically turned to the other disciples and says, I'm going to go fishing. Because I think he thought, that's the only thing I know to do, so I'm going to go do it. And so they, a number of them, not all of them, but a number of them said, hey, we'll go with you. And so they fish all night. Nothing happens. Early in the morning, as they're out on the water, somebody from the shore yells to them, if you cast on the other side, you might have some better luck. And they figured, well, maybe he saw the turbulence of the fish in the water, saw that there was a school of fish there, so they cast on the other side. And suddenly the net is just absolutely full of fish, so full that they can't even get it back into the boat. 
And I, I don't know, the scripture doesn't say this, but I can kind of imagine what happens here is that as John is trying, struggling with the net to try to get it into the boat, it kind of goes through his mind, you know, this reminds me, <laughs> about three and a half years ago, uh, Jesus did that miraculous catch of fish out here on the Sea of Galilee, and then he stopped, and he looked up at Peter and said, Peter, it's the Lord, and Peter jumped into the water, and he swam to the shore because of this, I think, pain in his life. And the rest of the disciples, they, they take the boat, and they try to get it to the shore, pulling the, the net behind them. And when they get to the shore, Jesus is on the shore, resurrected form, and he's, uh, he's cooked breakfast. So they have breakfast. And then after breakfast, Jesus kind of focuses on Peter to bring him to the place of deliverance from this struggle that he was going through. And uh, I think one of the things that was going around in Peter's mind, which if any of us have failed in our, our discipleship with the Lord, is something that goes around in our minds sometimes. And that is, I'm just not, I'm just not smart enough to follow Jesus. I, uh, probably Peter was thinking about the um, the denial, and and one of the things you know that kind of got him was that Jesus told him said Peter, <laughs> you're going to deny me, and Peter said no Lord I'm not going to do it, and so now Peter is thinking how could I be so stupid that he that I even disagreed with the Lord, and he was telling me you don't know what you're getting into, and yet I I went. Barreling into it, thinking I could handle the situation. And, uh, and I think Peter just said, you know, I, I just don't think I'm smart enough. If I, if I can't handle that as an individual, how in the world can I take care of a bunch of people that are following the Lord? And so Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? That's an interesting sentence. Number one, the word love is a very strong love. I think NIV says truly love. You could almost put the word worship in there. Peter, do you worship me more than these? And what is the more than these? There's a lot of debate on what he's talking about. Some think it's the disciples. I don't think so. I don't think he's asking for a comparison. I think what he's talking about is Peter's old life, the fishing do you love me more than the boat and the fish and the nets and your old fishing companions and the Sea of Galilee and your hometown? Do you love me more than these things? And Peter says, Lord, you know, three and a half years ago, you did this same miracle on this same lake. And I fell to my knees and I said, I'm not worthy to be in this boat with you. And you said to me that I'm forgiven. And you said, follow me. And you know I loved you so much. I left everything and I followed you. You know, Lord, I worship you. And Jesus says, well then, Peter, Walk into your destiny. Feed my sheep. Take care of these people. 
Now, what is Jesus saying there? He's saying simply this. If you love me, if you worship me, you're smart enough to do what I'm asking you to do. Because worshiping me makes you smarter than who you are. If you truly open your heart to me in a love relationship and unite your heart with my heart, I will download into you revelation that's beyond your pay grade. And you'll be smart enough to follow me. Uh, Now, some of you, you kind of look at your life and you say, well, Mark, you don't know. (laughs) You don't know the stupid blunder I made. Or you don't know the series of stupid blunders I've made. And I just don't think it's in me to follow the Lord because it hasn't been in me in the past. I I just don't get it. I miss him so many times. I, I, I don't know if I have the capacity, the intellectual capacity to follow Jesus. And I think the word of the Lord for you today is simply this. Double down on your worship. Worship him more. The way into your destiny is not to try to figure it out with your mind. The way into your destiny is to worship into your destiny. That as you are opening your life to him and as you're loving him and you're making him the supreme passion of your life, then it begins to unfold. And to, to kind of wait and say, okay, God, you've got to help me figure all this out before I launch out. That's not the way it works. You launch out in worship, and you increase that worship. And as you do, suddenly it begins to open up for you. The other thing that I think that bothered Peter in terms of why he had given up his confidence on following Jesus into what Jesus wanted for him was that I think he felt he wasn't good enough. He wasn't just... He wasn't just, it wasn't just an issue of not being smart, uh, smart enough, but even good enough. Because he said, you know, Jesus, on that night of his trial and his crucifixion, it was his moment of greatest need. He needed us to stand with him. He told us it was coming. He needed us to be there with him. And when it came and the pressure was on, I was more concerned about my self-preservation than about Jesus. And so I, I said, no, I don't know him. Matter of fact, I cursed and said, I don't know him. And so Peter looked at his life and he's thinking, you know, I'm just so selfish. I, I just have this, this I, I always default to my self-interest. Instead of to the Lord. And so I don't think I can follow him. I I don't think I can take on what he's asking me to do. Because I couldn't do it as an individual. How in the world could I lead a bunch of people into following the Lord? And so Jesus looks at Peter and he asks him. A second time, do you love me? And I think that second time he's saying, do you still love me? 
first time he asked, do you love me in the beginning of the ministry? He's asking, do you love me? Do you still love me? And he says, yes, I love you. But then he asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? And uh, the third time got to Peter because it reminded him of his denial. He had been asked three times if he knew Jesus. And three times he said, no, I don't know him. And so when Jesus asked the third time, do you love me? It reminded him of the denial. And the scripture says that Peter was grieved when, Peter, when Jesus asked him the third time. Now, because it, I think, reminded him of the denial, and he kind of went into this tailspin again about uh, his, his selfishness and how, how self-centered he was. And, uh, and it grieved him. I don't think he was grieved because he felt like Jesus was condemning him. He was grieved because the way he felt about himself was interrupting this beautiful moment of communion with Jesus. Here was this exchange in which Jesus was saying, Peter, do you love me? And he was affirming his love for the Lord, and the Lord was affirming to him, then walk into your destiny. And the third time that Jesus asked him, suddenly he's thinking again about the, the, the denial of Jesus, and it interrupts this, this time of encounter with the Lord on the beach, and I think he's grieved at, him, as, at himself. He's grieved at how this, this experience of his past is interrupting his presence and interrupting his communion with the Lord. And at that moment, Peter makes a decision, and I think it's, it's the decision for healing. And his decision is this. I am not going to let this thing take me down any longer. And he steps across the line, and he says, Jesus, you know all things. You know how selfish I am. You know that I denied you three times. You know of that catastrophic failure I made as a disciple of yours. Jesus, you know all things. And you know I love you. I will not let this thing stand in the way of my worship of you. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, then walk into your destiny. And what he's saying to Peter is this. If you love me, and if you keep loving me, and if you keep loving me even after you do some kind of selfish indulgence or self-centered act or selfish rebellion, if you keep loving me even after that, you will eventually make it into your destiny. Because loving me is what makes you holy. Listen to me. The way into sanctification, the way into becoming holy people, good people, is not by tweaking our performance. The way, the way into becoming holy 
is in worshiping Jesus. Worshiping him. And Jesus was saying to Peter, look, I know how bad it was, and you know how bad it was, but I'm telling you, if you keep your heart open to me, and you keep coming after me, you will eventually be changed by the power of my glory, by the power of my presence. The key to this thing, the key to moving into your destiny is worshiping me. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, you, you know, Mark, you don't know how bad it is in my life. You don't know, you don't know the addiction or you don't know the, 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 the selfish thing I did. You don't know how bad it was. And, and if that's where you're struggling as a follower of Jesus, let me say to you, again, as clear as I can, double down on worship. Get into his heart. Love him. Go after him with all that you are. Make him the passion of your life. And if you do that, eventually you're going to see a life that's transformed. You're going to see a life that at one time always defaulted to self-interest. Now it gladly and passionately and consistently chooses for Christ and what he wants, even if you have to choose against your self-interest. It's the great miracle of the Lord and how he transforms us as his followers when we expose our heart to him in a radical experience of worship and love. You see, I'm not talking about just Sunday mornings. I'm talking about this must become our lifestyle. It had become it for Peter, and I think that's one of the reasons Peter survived this catastrophic, catastrophic incident in his life concerning his, his denial. That the worship got him through it. And what Jesus is saying is that worship will bring you to the place. It will bring you into the place of, of transformation so that you will choose the way the Lord wants you to choose. And you will choose into your destiny. Which brings us to the third problem that Peter was struggling with. And that is not only... That he didn't feel he was smart enough or good enough. He didn't feel like he was strong enough. Because at the denial, he, he said to Jesus, he said, look, uh, before the denial, when Jesus said, look, you're going to deny me, Peter. He said, no, I'm not. He says, I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. But when the pressure was on, and he knew he could lose his life over this. Suddenly, he backs off. And, and I think what Peter is saying is, you know, I just don't have the moral strength to follow him. If, if, I, wouldn't, if I wouldn't do it as an individual, Jesus has already told us that there's some tough times coming down the road for us as believers. How in the world can I lead a group of people through turbulent times in difficult times, if I've already proven that I can't even stand up against it. And so, I'm not strong enough. And Jesus responds to that by saying to him, Look, Peter, I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to listen carefully. That's, that's what verily, verily I say unto you means. <laughs> say, what's coming up is pretty important. You need to listen to this. And the reason it's important is because what Jesus is going to tell Peter is a prophecy. He's going to prophesy to him. 
about his future. He says, Peter, when you were young, you kind of did what you wanted to do. But when you get older, you will stretch out your hands, which is a term for crucifixion. And you will be bound and dressed by others. And you will be led where you do not want to go. Which is interesting because it says you'll be led where you do not want to go, but he will go. And Jesus is saying this, Peter, a few weeks ago, you didn't lay down your life for me. I'm telling you, a day is coming when you will choose to lay down your life for me. Now the question is, what makes the change? Weak to follow Jesus. He doesn't have the strength, the ability to choose for the Lord. So what's going to make the difference between a man who says he will lay down his life and won't and a man who chooses to lay down his life? And the difference, I think what Jesus is saying in this exchange, the difference is worship. You keep worshiping me, Peter. You keep trusting me. You keep loving me. And I will give you the strength to do what I'm calling you to do, even if you have to choose against what you want. I'll give you that strength. And that's why at the end Jesus says, follow me. Follow me into your destiny. Follow me into your destiny by worshiping me. Because the more you love me, the more I can impart into you my nature. And you'll begin to find that your greatest delight is not choosing for yourself, but choosing for me. Because I'm changing the very nature of your heart. And which brings joy and delight to your heart. And there will be a day when you will choose to lay down your life for me. And again, it's a word for all of us. Because the Lord's saying to us, look, you might feel that you don't have the strength to follow the Lord into what he's calling you into as a, as a disciple. But he's saying to all of us, give yourself to worship. Ask the Lord for a greater capacity to worship him. Because the way into what God has for you is not somehow you building up your strength. Somehow you leveraging your will and making it choose for God. No, the way into your destiny is the presence of the Lord, the fiery presence of Jesus, his beauty, his majesty, so captivating your heart that you say, this is what I want to live for. Him and him alone. You know, I think a lot of times, and it may be for some of you, you say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a crisis of faith. I have a lifestyle of a crisis of faith. In terms of my confidence in discipleship. Maybe some of you have just given up on following Jesus into things. You know, you say, yeah, I come here, I love him, I worship him, I believe in him. But I'm not, I'm not sure I can give myself to what he wants. Because I'm not sure, I'm not sure it's possible. You, maybe you say, you know, I'm not even sure I can worship. <laughs> I'm not sure I can increase my worship for him. So what can we do? Well, let me say this. 
There is a fiery river of love that flows toward, toward Jesus is in the heart of the Father. No one can love the Son like the Father loves the Son. He loves Jesus. His heart is that Jesus be exalted in the earth. He loves his Son. And here's a great truth in scriptures. That the Holy Spirit can take a tributary of that fiery river of God's love for his son. And run it through your heart. So that you are suddenly loving Jesus with the love of the Father. The scripture says so. The Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 16. Excuse me, 17, verse 26. Jesus is saying to his, in a prayer, Father, I have made you known to these disciples. I have made your character known to them. I have made your presence known to them. So that the love you have for me may be in them as I am in them. You see, even the love for Jesus is a gift from God. He's willing to share with us his love for his son through the power of the Spirit. Paul says in Romans that God pours out his love into our heart by his Holy Spirit. That love, yes, that's the love of God for us, but it's also the love of God for His Son. And so the capacity to worship Jesus is found in asking the Lord to impart into you His love for His Son. Now, the condition of receiving that is your willingness to say, Lord, as you give me that, I'm willing to ride this crazy river wherever it takes me. I'm willing to give myself to the, to the stirrings of the Holy Spirit within my heart to love you as he stirs me. I'm not, say, I'm not saying suddenly you're on this, this white water rapids, but I am saying that as you give yourself more and more to what God is doing in you, and you're saying you know, the most important thing in my life is this being stirred up by the Spirit with the love of God to love Jesus fully in the perfect love of God. And if that becomes the, the primary thing in your life, then you'll always be listening, always be looking, always be receiving the opportunity to move into a greater capacity of loving Him. We don't... Get into our destiny with a good brain. We don't get into our destiny by somehow tweaking our ability to choose. We don't get into our destiny by somehow fixing our performance. We get into our destiny by worshiping into our destiny. We worship the Son of God with all of our hearts, with, all of our, with everything that we are. And we do that. By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ moving through us. 
So I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that this church will be a place where the, the fiery river of God just flows right through it. and Right through your lives. Not just on Sunday, but throughout the week as you're out in the community. Uh, your love for Jesus will increase daily, monthly, annually. Increase into a, 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 a passion that you never knew your heart could hold. Stand with me, and uh, this, uh, as Bo comes up here, we're going to go back into worship. And I invite the ministry teams to come down as uh, we prepare to go back into worship. Lord, we thank you how you come after us, <laughs> even when we've blundered even when we've missed it, even when we've missed it for years, you still come after us. And we thank you, Lord, for this incredible story of how you set it up that a whole appearance, a whole manifestation of your resurrected presence was for the purpose of getting at Peter's heart. So, Lord, we we believe your Holy Spirit does that even today. So we welcome your Holy Spirit to get at our hearts to change our hearts. Father, we pray that by your Spirit, you would put within us the fiery passion you have for Jesus. Let us feel it, Lord. Let us feel it in our lives more than anything else. Let us, Lord, enter into this fiery love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let it determine how we live. Let it determine our very existence because it's our future. Let us know, Lord, the fullness of your love flowing through our hearts toward Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray for whatever needs is here today that you would meet that need by your grace. But for all of us, we pray, Lord, that there would be a great baptism of love over the next days and weeks, and that we would notice new stirrings in our heart, new movements in our heart towards you in a way that we know it's, it's not us, but it's your working in us so that we love Jesus fully and completely. Lord, you know all things. You know all things, all of our past, all the stuff. And we say this to you, Jesus. You know we love you. We, you know we love you. So do the work that we need that we might love you more. We pray in your holy name.